Today on Reverse the Post-Op Regain, I am discussing postprandial hypoglycemia, or it's also termed late dumping syndrome. This is a common condition that tends to peak around about two, three, four, five plus years post-op. So the further you are after your bariatric surgery, the more common this is. Not everyone struggles with this condition, but I do think it does help to be aware of the symptoms and possible treatments so that you know what these weird and wacky symptoms are. So when you go seek help from your general practitioner, you have a better idea of what it could be so that you are more informed and able to be a participant in your healthcare journey. Today, I'll cover what it is, what are the symptoms, and how we can somewhat manage it dietary-wise. And I would still recommend that you do see professional support for this because it is a very highly individualized situation that does need medical management. Welcome to Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. I'm your host, Saraya Nikwan, a weight loss surgery dietitian, and I am excited that you're here today. This podcast is for anyone struggling with nutrition and weight years after bariatric surgery. You might be feeling confused, overwhelmed, and not quite sure what your body needs after that first year post-op. This is where I can help you. Join me every week where you'll leave supported and motivated to take the next step in your nutrition journey. Thank you for being here with me today. Now let's get started. To take a step back and really define what is late dumping syndrome. So you do have an early dumping syndrome, which many people do experience, and that's the high rapid transit of the food that you've just eaten. That's typically high in sugar or high in fat. That's essentially not being processed properly by the body because it just doesn't have the capability or the enzymes to break it down because it's such a large volume of the sugar or fat in that particular meal. And it essentially dumps into the large bowel, which then causes symptoms like stomach pains, nausea, the sweats, and accumulates in a bit of diarrhea. It is very uncomfortable, very unpleasant, and you pretty much know you have it because it happens within 15 to 45 minutes of having the actual meal or whatever you've eaten. So it varies depending on the person of what was the trigger for that meal. But once you have it happen a few times, you can sort of learn the pattern of what to look out for in that next meal to prevent it going forward. Early dumping syndrome doesn't seem to be a problem ongoing because it tends to resolve within that 45 minutes or after all the symptoms have resolved. Late dumping syndrome, on the other hand, is a group of gut symptoms and also brain or nervous system symptoms that can be a little bit peculiar and different to what the early dumping is because it happens around one to three hours after eating as opposed to early dumping syndrome, which is 15 to 45 minutes after eating. So to give you a rundown of the symptoms of early versus late, so early symptoms are, you might want to write this down if you are interested, fatigue, sweating, lightheadedness, low blood pressure or hypotension, abdominal fullness, nausea, and diarrhea. So much of what I said earlier. Late dumping syndrome, on the other hand, presents a little bit differently as it occurs that one to three hours after a meal. The symptoms that you're looking for are mainly hypoglycemic symptoms. So if you know someone that's a diabetic, these are very similar symptoms that you'd experience. So things like a tremor, feeling very nauseous, angry, hungry, sweating, anxiety, very fatigued and tired. The main ones that I see are mainly lightheadedness, feeling quite tired and lethargic, not able to communicate well, and just those really like, blah, I really, really need to eat something to pick me back up. What's common with both early and late dumping syndrome is that you can get the cardiac symptom of that 
really fast heart rate or it's called tachycardia. So that is common between both syndromes. You do have to keep in mind that it is the actual timing of the symptoms, although they can cross over in terms of, you know, the symptoms were similar in a way. It also is different because it's more of those low blood sugar level symptoms in the late dumping and it happens more than an hour after you've eaten something. So that is something to keep in mind is to look at the timing of when your symptoms start as that would provide more of a clue as to whether it's early or late dumping syndrome. Now, this is a podcast, so obviously this isn't a substitute for medical advice. And I would really recommend that you do go see a general practitioner or your surgeon or your dietitian if you are thinking that you are experiencing this. But the cause of late dumping syndrome is a blood sugar level reaction after a meal, particularly after bariatric surgery, due to the rapid gastric emptying of the actual food contents itself. It could be related to the actual food choices that you make. However, it can be a consequence of the surgery itself. The body is possibly releasing too much insulin or other gastric hormones to help bring down the sugar level, inadvertently actually releasing too much, particularly of insulin, which then causes the low blood sugar levels. So again, this is why medical management is important to identify what is the actual cause for this. You can get really great dietary strategies that will help and resolve the late dumping syndrome, but it's almost always there. So it does help to get a diagnosis so that you are more likely to be aware of it and the healthcare professionals around you are more aware of it when helping you diagnose something. It also helps rule out any other things that it could be because it may not be late dumping syndrome. It could be another differential diagnosis. So it is important to get diagnosed for this. If you do suspect it, again, see a medical professional. The treatment of it can vary. There are medications that can help with managing reactive hypoglycemia or postprandial hypoglycemia. And this is beyond the scope of this podcast. But if I was in a consult with you, I could give you the recommendation of what those medications might be. Again, not my role to prescribe medications, but there are some medications available that can help with controlling the blood sugar levels. From a dietary perspective, the easiest and simplest way to avoid having late dumping syndrome is to not eat carbohydrates by themselves. When people eat carbohydrates by themselves, it does increase the amount of sugar in the system quickly and the body may compensate by releasing too much insulin, thereby more sugar is going into the cells and not in your bloodstream. You need a certain amount of glucose in the bloodstream at all times just to function as a human being. So the best message I can send in this platform is to make sure that you're not eating carbohydrates in isolation. You always want to be making sure that you're having a carbohydrate source with a protein or fat source. Now that will slow down the digestion of the said carbohydrate and make it more likely that that meal will then push you through that three hours without having a blood sugar level dip. So it is important to balance out the carbohydrates with the protein and fat so that you're not eating carbs on their own. What this might look like is different to other people, but I have had these examples happen in clinics. So someone eating a Red Bull with lollies, two very high carbohydrate foods, which do not help with late dumping syndrome. Other examples are pavlova, drinking fruit juice by itself, having just honey on some slices of bread or some crackers because that's only carbohydrates. Other people have created late dumping syndrome with just crackers on their own to get through to the next meal, dried fruit, pancakes from out and about with, you know, ice cream and syrup and all of the sugars in there. So there's no protein in that particular meal. Having slushies or drinks that 
basically have no nutritional value except for the carbohydrates that are in it. So it varies depending on the person. And the message here is to never eat carbohydrates by itself. Other dietary strategies that we also have discussed earlier on the podcast is ensuring that you're eating an adequate amount of protein throughout the day, making sure that that protein is then spaced throughout the day at regular and consistent intervals will also help reduce the likelihood that the glucose from the carbohydrate foods you do eat don't increase too excessively, which will then cause the low blood sugar levels from the release of too many hormones. So increasing protein, never eating carbohydrates by itself. Remember not to eat and drink at the same time. Doing so will wash the food too quickly through the stomach and hence will increase the likelihood that a late dumping syndrome episode may occur. And finally, to make sure that you're picking low glycemic index foods, Try to avoid anything white, refined, highly processed. Try to pick more foods that are are more brown in nature, grainy, seedy, harder to digest on the body, such as legumes, sweet potato, vital eats as opposed to cruskets, making sure that you're using brown breads or the higher protein breads because naturally there is a lower carbohydrate intake in that, but also it takes longer to digest. So it is harder for the body to rapidly digest that which will reduce the likelihood of the hypos actually occurring. There are a lot of dietary strategies to prevent it. There are still some strategies we can do dietary wise to treat it, to bring the sugar levels back up in terms of treatment. Like this has just happened to you and you're sort of looking for some ideas on what to do while you're waiting for your appointment is to make sure you eat some sort of higher sugar food. So ironically, maybe a small handful of jelly beans, maybe a small popper, but then within 15 to 30 minutes, you need to follow it up with some cheese on crackers or a peanut butter sandwich or some meat and some crackers with some cheese, something that's got protein, fat and carbohydrates to help steady the blood sugar levels after you've had that episode. So the initial carbohydrates are there to bring up your sugar levels and then the fat and the protein from, for example, a peanut butter sandwich or cheese and crackers or even a hard boiled egg will then hold the sugar level so that they don't drop again. As with anything diet related, it is highly individualized and unlikely that you're going to respond to certain foods the same way someone else does. So keeping a journal can be really, really helpful to write down your symptoms and what you're feeling and those confusion thoughts and what you did eat to try bring it back up. I've been told from many patients that have this condition that it does take days to sort of feel right again. Some people can take 48 hours to feel right after a hypo. Some people take the rest of the day. Just resting, being gentle and kind to your body can really help. Be mindful of any strenuous exercise and make sure that you fuel appropriately for that so you are less likely to experience this in the future. It is a common condition. It is manageable and medications plus dietary strategies can help. Again, with the input of your medical practitioner will be very helpful to ensure that the dietary and the medical side marry together really well so that you don't have to continue or suffer with these symptoms daily or weekly. I sincerely hope that this has helped someone today. I do recommend you see someone about this because it is a very unique condition and not many doctors do really realize that it can happen after bariatric surgery. It's coming more to the surface now that many more people are this far post-op. So don't be scared. 
you know, you can present them with the sorts of articles online. You can look on Google and you can even speak about that with your doctor if they're opening to discuss it. There are obviously medications and tests that they can run to make sure that it is this particular condition and not other conditions. Again, out of my scope for the context of the podcast and my actual profession. Having said all that, I think I've said that enough. Thank you for being here for today and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you for joining me on Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. If you would like to learn more about what I do, head to at the Bariatric Collective on Instagram or Facebook or visit us online at www.thebariatriccollective.com.au. I reach out if you need support reversing weight regain or anything related to bariatric surgery. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love for you to take a moment to review the show if you found it helpful or share it with a few friends. I look forward to chatting with you next time.